Thank you all for tuning in to the Your Edge podcast. I'm Therese Van Ryan, Global PR Director for Zebra Technologies, and I'm here today with Zebra's Chief Technology Officer, Tom Bianculi. In case you have not heard already, Zebra was just named one of Fast Company's 2020 Best Workplaces for Innovators. So we've asked Tom to talk a bit about what makes Zebra's culture of innovation so unique. Thanks for joining us today, Tom. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Therese. Absolutely. Tom, can you start by telling us a bit about Zebra's approach to innovation? Sure. At, uh, at Zebra, you know, innovation is really a way of life. I mean, it's embedded into um, how our engineers think about product development, um, how they go about their uh, daily uh, design cycles, as well as even out into our sales teams and the way we engage with our customers. So we're uh, always asking ourselves, uh, how do we make things better for the industry, better for the customer? And so um, innovation is not a place or a function at Zebra. It's kind of built into the fabric of the culture. And um, one of the ways that uh, we like to talk about it, especially with new engineers coming into the organization or even with our more seasoned engineers, is that we expect every function and everyone in the organization to be thinking about how they innovate, whether that's in IT or human resources or finance or out into our engineering teams. And so, as I like to say from the, you know, the engineer fresh out of school that's designing the battery latch door for one of our mobile computers up to a general manager that might be starting a brand new business in a new area for us like automation, um, completely different types of innovation. Maybe that the latter is more business model innovation and the former is more mechanical engineering type innovation, but we expect that level of innovative thinking across the board uh, functions and up and down the organization. So I think that's that's uh, pretty unique. Uh, I've come across a number of models at companies that have uh, either very centralized uh, innovation models uh, that are uh, their dedicated groups focused on innovation, or uh, they take a, a very long time horizon view to innovation, or perhaps even a third model is a, is a very inorganic one. So that innovate through um, uh, through M&A. At Zebra, we, you know, we really pride ourselves on looking at all the above and having everyone challenge themselves every day. How do they drive innovation, new thinking, and, um, and, and be agile in how they get their function done? So that's, uh, I think, something really exciting, refreshing for us. And we hear all kinds of great stories uh, across the organization, uh, which I think helps make Zebra's culture what it is today. It truly is built into the fabric, as you say. It's incredible. I know that you're responsible for working with the product managers, engineers, customer research teams, and others to explore emerging opportunities for Zebra and to ensure we're innovating to meet the evolving needs of multiple industries globally simultaneously. Can you explain the factors that ultimately inform our roadmap and how we decide which projects are prioritized? Yeah, sure. Um, that's a, it's a great question, and um, it's, 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 it's fairly complicated when you think about it because we, you've got technology drivers, you've got industry change. I mentioned the word automation before. We're seeing automation take on a, um, uh, an increasingly um, uh, front and center role in the way that our customers think about transforming their operations, whether that's in the front store retail or it's in, in, in the back of the warehouse. Um, but you know, you need to be looking at at what time horizon does that automation take hold? Uh, and when do we go? basically past an inflection point of it becoming uh, completely mainstream because we we need to moderate our r and d investments 
uh, in a way that that reflects when the market's really going to take off. And I just use automation as as one example of that. But that's occurring on a number of different fronts. Uh, think about computer vision and product recognition, and being able to do loss prevention or do frictionless checkout, um, mm -hmm. where I can take goods uh, off the shelf at a retail store and all but just walk out of the store and and have that transaction tendered without me having to go through a point of sale uh, lane queue. So these are all areas that uh, we're, we're diligently looking at. And I think it kind of comes down to three main ways uh, that we think about this. First is uh, the customer first. We have a, a very strong initiative uh, and, and way of thinking about the customer that informs our innovation and informs our priorities that has to do with how do we make our customers really successful day in and day out. And I spend you know, a good part of my time uh, meeting with customers, as do our other executives and, of course, our sales teams. And we we aggregate uh, that input, listen really hard to our customers to ensure that everything we do is aimed at enabling their success. Um, and we've been we've been fortunate enough to have uh, great customers to work with. Um, um, as a as a um, general rule, we do uh, business with about ninety five percent of the Fortune five hundred. So that, that affords us uh, great insights into what's happening in the market. So it's really what, what's going to enable our customers to be successful. It, it always starts there for us. Uh, the second is um, when is the market going to be ready to a, a, adopt or adapt to maybe new ways of operating based on what our customers' needs are? And th that's where something like automation comes into play um, and thinking about what is the market size today, but where is the puck-headed and how big is that market size going to be a year, two years, or three years from now? And I think this is one that's extremely important as over the last five to 10 years, the rate at which innovation transformation has been occurring, uh, something that's that's um, been alluded to or, or called uh, innovation diffusion, the amount of time it takes innovation to diffuse into an industry has become greatly accelerated. You know, what used to take 10 years from the start of a, a new technology area to get fully penetrated into a uh, an industry or a vertical segment is now happening, you know, sometimes in two or three years. And so that has become really critical for us to, to kind of understand the time horizon for adoption of new ways of doing things. So that's the second one is, um, is, is what it's gonna look like over time. So A, is it, what's important to our customers? Is it important to our customers? And then B is, where are things going and over what kind of time horizon? So it's quite a bit of analysis that needs to go into that, both from a market perspective, as well as a tech trend point of view, and looking at it through, uh, through of course, um, the, the, the customer lens. And then the third uh, area is how are these areas enabling the frontline worker to be the very best they can be? Um, Zebra um, prides itself, and I would say in the, in the spirit of a Simon Sinek uh, view, if you're familiar with the author, uh, Simon Sinek, he talks about it's, um, you know, companies that succeed are really focused on why they do what they do. And at Zebra, our why is helping that frontline worker, that nurse or clinician that's administering the medication to the patient or the truck driver that's trying to make sure the delivery gets on time for mom's birthday, right? Or the retail worker that's able to assist a client in aisle with a mobile device and, and help them make a buying decision. Making that frontline worker um, able to reach their full potential, enable them to be as good as they can be uh, and, and streamline their workflow, return time to improve their the quality of their job and um, reduce the, the overall cost of the labor of a given task to the retailer or to the transportation company. That is uh, is extremely critical to us, and we we analyze that 
uh, during our strategy planning process and as we look uh, at the prioritization. So it's not really rocket science at the end of the day. It's, you know, is it important to our customer? Uh, where are things headed and over what kind of time horizon? And then ultimately is important to the end user and that end user is the frontline worker in our case. And um, we, we do see that as uh, something we take uh, you know, very seriously because especially today um, with the situation with the pandemic and um, the, um, the type of work and the admirable work that these frontline essential workers do, enabling them to be the best they can be is something that um, I know has uh, brought a lot of satisfaction to our employees knowing that we're, we're helping to contribute to that and, and really empowering those heroes. Absolutely. It's ironic, Tom. I just read a headline this morning from Simon Sinek saying, even in times of crisis, don't forget the why. It's so important, right? Well, that's right. Yeah, maybe maybe more so now than ever, because I think for some of us, the why has shifted, right? Um, uh, why, we, why we do what we do, I suppose we're all personally and in, in a business uh, perspective, a little bit more reflective on that than we've been in the past. Absolutely. Tom, you're recognized as a Zebra Distinguished Innovator and have personally been granted over 20 U.S. patents. In your opinion, what makes Zebra Innovation Approach different from other tech companies? You know, I, I think at uh, at Zebra, we we just take it, this goes a little bit back to, we take a very holistic approach, I, I should say. And this goes a little bit back to what I was mentioning earlier around it being in the, the fabric uh, of, our, of our DNA. And so as a result of that, um, and and uh, uh, it's just it's just the way that the company almost organically operates around this is we we've kind of divide and I'm not sure so sure even Therese is it is it a conscious decision to divide it this way in terms of um, it, it's not a a process per se but it's a it's a way of operating uh, that divides the way we think about that innovation into kind of two main categories one is. Um, um, you know, very relevant to your your previous question is how do we prioritize the kinds of products and features and and uh, offerings we're going to build for our customers? As we look at that over you know three five years and what we plan to develop over that time, we think about what platforms are we going to need to enable, and as a result of that, what intellectual property do we want to be filing now from a patent perspective? So when that technology or that industry or that market or that solution becomes much more relevant five years from now, we're in the you know the best position uh, from an intellectual property perspective. So uh, part of it starts with just really thinking about how do we operationalize our IP strategy relative to our five-year plan and starting to kind of lay down um, some of that intellectual property ahead of maybe where a lot of others are are, are thinking in in our industry. So that that's number one. That's probably uh, you know a much more thoughtful. Uh, an aligned approach that comes off of our strategic planning uh, processes that you and I spoke about just uh, just a question or two ago. Mm -hmm. Second is kind of goes back to the just the everyday, you know, built into the DNA of our culture, thinking about uh, innovation, intellectual property. And, um, you know, whether it's in my case with some of the patents, I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, with some giants in the industry and, and really smart people who made me better uh, at, uh, at at the way I think about innovation. And um, you know, as we're going through just development processes for new products, there's things we see or think about or innovate, uh, as I mentioned earlier, almost in real time with the product development cycle. And so those afford opportunities um, counter to the first bucket, which are much more deliberate, right? They're much more longer time frame. These are 
new and novel ways maybe of assembling a product that we didn't think about before. Hey, maybe there's a way we can do this, you know, with with uh, less labor so our products can be uh, assembled, uh, you know, at, at a lower cost, but at just as high quality. Or uh, there's a way we can build a feature into the product um, that enables the customer to get an ergonomic advantage. And these types of um, design patents, as they're called, uh, has been a place that we've really focused uh, for our customers because when you think about enabling that frontline worker to be as good as they can be, many of our frontline workers are operating environments where they're at a disadvantage, right? There's they're, they're noisy environments, they're distracting environments, they're you know potentially sometimes dangerous environments with large pieces of capital equipment like four trucks roaming around. Um, and so being able to put visual cues um, where audible cues can work, uh, designing the ergonomics of the keyboards where you can uh, potentially uh, type or enter information without even having to look at the keyboard because of the way that that, that keyboard's laid out. Putting contextual information on the display so the clutter is removed, almost like a fighter pilot, right? Where a, a fighter pilot is maybe dealing with many, many things simultaneously. And one of the biggest things you can do to assist that that pilot in that, that moment is kind of remove all the clutter and just get the right information in front of them to help them get their job done. And so um, we, we, we have a um, design thinking approach to our user experience that is very much centered on that. And so that's another area, so kind of call it a third leg of the stool that uh, thinks about how do we enable the user experience, the end user capability to be um, you know, as good as it can, but do that in, in every aspect from ergonomics to user experience, to user interface, to the mechanical design of the product. Um, and and file that as intellectual property as well. A lot of people don't um, uh, realize that those types of design patents are are uh, also a big part of our portfolio. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so from you know from design patents uh, out to uh, enabling that frontline worker to be the best they can, looking at our product roadmaps over three to five years and, and laying down the foundational IP, and then uh, just thinking about um, every day as as we go through our product development cycles, our engineers finding new ways of doing things and then filing that uh, intellectual property as well. And I think it's it's probably not um, uh, exclusive, but I think driving um, deliberate uh, intellectual property initiatives off of those three legs of that stool is is fairly unique uh, to Zebra and not something that I've seen um, uh, generally at, at other technology companies. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Tom, Zebra's known to have an open door policy, not only when it comes to, to managing people, but also when it comes to innovation. Now, there, there have been employees outside of the engineering department, for example, who have pitched their ideas to your team and found those ideas incubated and sometimes even awarded patents. And I believe that's one of the reasons why Zebra has been named one of the fast company's best workplaces for innovators. How do you think this culture of innovation benefits our customers, Zebra, and the tech industry as a whole? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, at, at, at the end of the day, it really all, it all does start with customer conversations. And um, many of our engineers uh, do participate in briefings with our customers. And so they are listening. And, you know, I've noticed this around the organization as we've gotten more and more of the core of the organization, if you will, out into um, gaining customer context. Uh, the ideas, the concepts that that they're bringing forward are ones that you know naturally benefit our customers. And what we what we look to do is be able to get those even in early stages out in front of our customers and and, and get feedback around that. And I think that that cycle, if you will, of listening, 
thinking and innovating and then br not being afraid really to put something back on the table to the customer that you know sometimes may, may not be a good idea right uh, mm -hmm. we may bring that back to the customer and they might say you know you guys didn't get it this time you know that, that's not going to work for us or hey that's really going to be a game changer how can we work together to bring that to market and so you know we have um, we have both of those kinds of um, outcomes when, when, when we follow that cycle. But one thing I can tell you is that the very, very vast majority of our customers really appreciate the opportunity to, to participate in, in, in kind of the inner circle, if you will, right? Hey, Zebra, you're bringing me into your thought process. This isn't a sanitary discussion between a technology vendor and a customer. This is a let's dialogue together on how we can leverage our strengths as, as customer and as technology partner to go create new firsts for the industry. So that's been something that, um, uh, you know, I, I would say we've, we've honed over time. Uh, we've created more exposure to uh, those customer use cases. We do host around the organization um, uh, on a monthly basis, lunch and learns that are uh, based on customer visits. So we'll do ride-alongs with customers. Uh, by a ride-along, I, 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 um, I mean, imagine a, um, a transportation carrier uh, that's on a delivery route. Well, we'll take one of our um, customer research uh, personnel and we'll put them in that vehicle for a shift uh, because they're gonna actually see the realities of what's what, what needs to happen and, and not just kind of the pristine version of what should happen, right? Or likewise, uh, inventory counting or uh, loading of the vehicle before it leaves the dock door. We, we put our um, employees in a number of those different environments to work alongside our customers to really understand um, how they work, what they do, and what the realities are of, of being able to get the job done. And then we bring that context back to these, these lunch and learn type sessions so it can be democratized and shared across and around uh, you know, the entire company. And that's really helped to refine the kinds of ideas that get put forward. So it, it's kind of self-filtering, right? You don't usually get um, ideas that aren't relevant because of that understanding that uh, uh, most of our team has. And then, um, yeah, we're not afraid to then go and engage with the customer and have some dialogue with them to get feedback. And the exciting thing about uh, all of that for, for us at Zebra is, in many instances, that exact process of listen, ideate, and um, and pitch, if you will, back to the customer has put us in a trusted advisor status uh, with the customer. So the benefit to the customer is that they know Zebra is looking out for what's best for them. And that if we have some good ideas, we'll, we'll bring it by them for, for their feedback. And that puts you in a different class. That puts you in a, um, uh, a class of, of being a advisor and a friend, if you will, even of the customer, as opposed to uh, simply a vendor type relationship. So um, you know, it, so many of these things we're talking about, Therese, just come back to people, right? Like, you know, sure. people working with people, uh, people buying from people and, and um, just understanding each other and, and working together to get to a better outcome. So um, I think this one is, is probably no different. Right, right, right. And you've clearly talked about our customer first approach to innovation. I would imagine that we've had to be very agile in recent months to meet customers' new and quickly evolving needs. How has COVID-19 had an impact on our research design and engineering processes? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's been amazingly um, uh, transformative, actually, for us. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to say uh, we jumped in and, and we, we took all the tools we already had in the toolbox and, and, and applied them to, 
the dynamics of the situation on the ground. But uh, I would say we, we've kind of invented some whole new tools and capabilities to to be able to um, address and, and help uh, the industry where we could and what's happening. So, you know, first off, um, uh, I just want to recognize those essential workers I mentioned earlier, the tremendous work that our, our customers do. And, um, you know, I, I can tell you on behalf of the of all the functions at Zebra, we're, we're privileged uh, to be able to even participate in, in helping us work through what's happening. So um, first and foremost, um, we just want to recognize those heroes on the front line. Uh, secondly, um, I think a, a good example of uh, the way that we, we sort of jumped into action uh, or, or a good couple of categories of examples would be one, um, working in a very uh, collaborative and agile way with our partners, because as we saw in, in healthcare, pop-up testing facilities uh, come into play. The, um, you know, peak, um, uh, the, the peak periods that some of the, the hospitals and healthcare centers were seeing um, and, and in some places continue to see. Uh, there we needed to work closely with partners to be able to deploy our, our product and our solutions to enable those settings to become uh, effective and efficient. And so we were, we were in, in, in all of those kinds of settings. And then further out in, in other parts of uh, essential work like in retail, Curbside pickup obviously has become a, a major trend. Uh, being able to pick orders from store for ship online has gotten accelerated. Uh, in the warehouse, automation has become accelerated. And so we've worked with partners in all of those areas to help drive the um, uh, the deployment and uh, the acceleration of, of, of a lot of those trends, um, including our venture capital partners like Locus and Fetch, uh, which are robotic venture capital investments that Zebra has uh, to, to uh, assist and work with them in deployments in, in warehouse. In retail, I mentioned curbside pickup and our mobile devices being used for that. Being able to make checkout, you know, less um, uh, less of a touch experience. So a low touch, no touch checkout experience by using our, our mobile computers and working with some of our payment partners in that regard. So those are all um, areas and examples of where we partnered. Another one would be end-to-end -end kind of organic development where we just marshaled some resources around the company to say hey, we have an opportunity to go and help and and uh, enable our our customers to stay open particularly in the manufacturing and industrial spaces and um, not just stay open but you know manage to maintain a level of efficiency while they're open and so we um, developed we conceived really developed delivered and launched to market within about six weeks something we call motion works proximity which is a uh, proximity detection system, primarily for manufacturing and industrial environments that utilizes our, our mobile computers and some of our location solutions capabilities that is able to detect in real time when workers are uh, not within a safe distance of each other in, in terms of contact with regard to uh, COVID-19. And then uh, we, we track or, or capture those events. And it should be noted, we're, we're not actually measuring the location of anyone using this system. We're just measuring the proximity of, of um, each of the workers to each other. And if we see that proximity um, violate certain parameters, then we're, we can report that back to a uh, reporting system. So if someone turns out to be positive, unfortunately, for, for the virus, the uh, human resource and operations teams can look back over the last two weeks and get a digital breadcrumb trail of all the other individuals that they have interacted with, um, something called a contact tracing tree. And then that could be used to uh, take the appropriate actions, right? If, uh, if, if certain subset of workers need to be quarantined, 
uh, that can be done without having to take down an entire facility or you know the entire shift of workers. Um, so that's a, a solution we launched to market just a couple of weeks ago, uh, where where um, unfortunate circumstances that brought it to light to brought it to the market, but um, we're you know very excited by uh, the the help that the, that that can bring to our customers and the speed at which we were able to innovate and deliver it to the market. Uh, so it's a full cloud connected solution with an application software on the device, uh, the cloud instance that that device communicates to, and then the reporting and the analytics that allow those reports to be run that I spoke about. And um, we were able to take that out to market in, um, you know, in just under a couple of months, which is, which is pretty exciting. We also, in that case, did have a partner participate uh, with us as well, Tagnos, um, who, who helped with um, uh, some of the application level work uh, in that solution too. So it was a great uh, opportunity to innovate uh, all the way around. And, and I think uh, a hallmark example of, you know, how things have changed and, uh, and, and, and the way that uh, we've responded in, in current circumstances. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It was a great collaborative feat for sure. Tom, you've been at the forefront of Zebra's many different Internet of Things or IoT initiatives, which encompass everything from mobility solutions and RFID to augmented reality, artificial intelligence, computer vision, and even intelligent automation. Can you talk about why Zebra, which was primarily focused on barcode-based solutions for so many years, is so rapidly expanding its portfolio to include more advanced technology platforms? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we have a heritage, as you're, as you're pointing out, of providing tracking and tracing solutions. Uh, that, that, that's ultimately, at the end of the day, when, when you look at the portfolio of uh, on-demand thermal printing that puts a, you know, a barcode on a package, and then the ability of our scanners or our mobile computers or our RFID readers uh, to be able to read that uh, indicia on that label as it moves through the supply chain that's really about capturing digital information off of physical assets to be able to track and trace them from end to end. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's kind of always been a, a core foundation of what we do. But a number of um, uh, even early um, executives in, in, in the organization and, to, and even to this day really had a culture of saying that in addition to you know, enabling those frontline workers to be the best they can be, one of the ways that we want to think about doing that is by converting atoms to bits, right? ATOMS atoms, right? Atoms, uh, uh, physical world to the digital world, which is really a way of saying the internet of things, right? Creating a digital avatar or a digital construct of a physical asset uh, essentially is, is IoT. And so um, track and trace really then in a more modern context starts to migrate from barcode and RFID to visibility into the physical world. And then as we started to think about that, and again, speak with our customers, we quickly realized that you know, visibility in and of itself is not sufficient. Um, visibility is important. It tells you what's happening, where something is, what it is, and perhaps what its condition is, right? So where, what, and how that asset is doing. But it doesn't necessarily inform you as to what you should do about it. And, and so we, we then uh, started to organically build out on the visibility story to add in um, um, some machine learning, artificial intelligence, and data science capabilities to discern from all of that visibility data, what actions can be taken and mobilized out to that frontline worker. And then this led to a, a framework, uh, which we call Sense, Analyze and Act. Sense data at the edge of the network, at the, at the edge of our customers' operations, analyze that data, and then drive the appropriate best 
next actions that those workers can take to get their job done. And um, uh, hopefully this is all coming together as we talk through these questions into you know something that looks pretty holistic because at the end of the day, that uh, empowers and enables those frontline workers, which goes back to the why we do what we do. And so all of this sort of dovetails uh, together. Uh, but I'd agree, Teresa, you know, it is interesting. And I have this conversation with um, uh, sometimes even, you know, with customers when they look at Zebra and they say, oh, well, you know, we know you as the mobile computing company or the printing company. Um, you know, why would you get into automation or analytics or computer vision? And once you kind of get through that story of saying we want to make every worker an asset visible and connected and optimally utilized, it becomes pretty clear why these investments in analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and ultimately enabling the best action at the edge, whether it be through a robot or it be through a frontline worker, uh, is the is the vision and is the um, uh, strategy and ex, uh, uh, operationalizing that strategy that we're executing on. So um, that's what it's all about for us. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You just touched on vision. How does Zebra's vision for innovation influence talent recruitment? Yeah, that's that's a um, a really interesting one because I, I think it, it it does it a few different ways. One is as we expand beyond sense and visibility into analytics, machine learning, action oriented deployment, there's a much bigger software component of what we do uh, than than there was in the past, and there's new skill sets uh, that we need to recruit. So as we talk about this story, it's obviously not just going out into the market and to our customers, but it's also landing on the ears of of talent that's out there. Um, as students that are doing internships, which uh, we're really proud to be uh, to hosting those even even right now through uh, the pandemic. We have our, our interns started remotely with us, and uh, it's a great crew of uh, young individuals. Um, and and it provides uh, the opportunity to recruit that new talent in those areas that uh, you know where we need it because we're moving beyond the device. We're moving towards solutions, software, machine learning, automation. Those are new skill sets for us. So that I think is you know definitely one area. The second area is maybe much more uh, profound and, and uh, perhaps not as intuitive is as we think about our story and our value proposition of enabling that frontline worker, right, helping that nurse or clinician be the best they can be, um, it, it, it's a motivating story, particularly, I think, for the younger, younger demographic, uh, millennials and digital natives and Gen Zs that want, um, as do many of us, want to have a, um, a focus in, in their job life that's congruent with their social mission, right? To make the world better. And I, I've had this conversation with a number of internal uh, folks inside the organization and with uh, talent that we're looking to recruit that at the end of the day, uh, Zebra is you know helping that package get delivered, helping that patient improve, ensuring that medication error doesn't occur. And those are, I, I think, really motivating and exciting things for a lot of our employees and our uh, prospective employees. So uh, kind of very two different categories of, of thinking about how it's impacted talent recruitment. But um, uh, both of those areas for sure have been ones that uh, have played into the way that we recruit talent and the types of talent that come knocking on our doors, which is uh, you know very refreshing and exciting for us. Mm-hmm. Finally, Tom, what advice would you give to someone who does not have an engineering background or even a lot of tech experience? but has ideas on how technology can be better designed or applied in workplaces or even public settings, such as retail stores, healthcare facilities, restaurants, or delivery services? Yeah, you know, increasingly, um, there's reference to, uh, you know, what's being called the experience economy, right? That, um, and you see this actually, even the way people spend their money 
that there's a, a much bigger drive towards towards experiences um, mm. as opposed to you know um, just physical things. And I, I think that those type of insights transcend into um, the way that customers expect information to be delivered to them, the way they expect um, brands to interact with them, to, to have a much more experience-based interaction with them, whether it's through social media or it's the way you're engaged inside of a store environment or it's the digital dialogue or um, uh, conversational commerce uh, type engagement that you can have with a brand or a, or a customer. And so you know, when we're talking with um, many of our customers that, that they may have roles that aren't in the technology space, they may be more operations oriented, uh, as an example, we really ask them um, and work with them on improving, what can we do to improve that experience for their workers and for their customers and really think what would a transformed experience look like? I mean, what what if you could walk into the store um, and you know pick out some clothing and be able to walk right out the front door and you're just automatically, you know, that, that's automatically built without having to go through that point of you know, point of sale lane queue. That that's really much more about experience than it is technology. And so kind of unpacking those experiences, um, thinking about customer first, which is related to that experience minded, uh, that, that experience mindset. And then considering new business models is, is the third one. Um, now more than ever, there's the opportunity to try before you buy, if you will, right? Um, uh, I mentioned automation earlier in Fetch Robotics or Locus Robotics. They're deploying robots as a service. So, you know, you, you, can, you can get a robot deployed in your manufacturing or warehouse environment, I should say, you know, for a fee per month. Um, and then if it performs a certain way in your operations, you can keep it. If it doesn't, you can shut it off after three months. You know, th these are totally different business models, right? It doesn't require a several million dollar capital investment that you better get right uh, because you've spent all that money and you can't afford for it to be wrong. Um, because that business model is so flexible, you can try, see if it works, be agile, and then think about how it's going to transform the experiences of your of your customers and your employees. And so um, I, I think starting with that is is really critical and and it, it it has very little to do with the technology so you don't need to be technology savvy but once you kind of identify what some of those magical and transformed experiences can look like you know then engage with the technology community um and and and, and engage with your your partners and your strategic uh, vendors to understand how can you apply technology to go enable those experiences and um i think many of the uh, innovations that we all enjoy and experience today started with that type of inspiration. You know, the the um, uh, the, the the iPad didn't start with with uh, with technology. It started with how do I reinvent the tablet experience or a way of reading um, uh, or, or autonomous driving. You know, didn't start necessarily with all the technology. It started with well, what if we could enable a safer vehicle and enabling that safer vehicle it created an experience that resulted in more autonomy inside the inside the vehicle for um, you know for the driver. So, uh, you know, whether it's directly in our industry or it's in others, I think uh, that's a relatable concept and and a place to start. And then let the technology follow up behind that. That's great advice, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us and shedding some light on why Zebra is one of the best workplaces for innovators today. We hope this discussion will inspire our listeners to share their ideas and drive further innovation. I'm Therese Van Ryn, and thank you again for listening to the Your Edge podcast. Until next time.